everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, P. So we're in Season 2, Episode 16. This is our final episode in Season 2. We're super excited. Yeah, this is big. I'm, damn, two seasons in. Like, this is... <laughs> This is very, this is thrilling. I'm, I'm like jumping around over here. Yeah. Um, it's going to be sad. We're going to be taking about a, a month break to, you know, recharge, rejuvenate, and just work on our content and just being able to come back and give you guys the best content possible. But definitely continue to follow the social media. We'll be keeping you guys updated to what we'll be talking about our next season. And we're definitely going to have some, some surprises. So stay tuned for that. And also in the interim, please do check out our previous episodes. Um, like, subscribe, and share it. Tell us what you think about it. We're going to constantly be posting through social media about our previous episodes so that you're fully engaged. And you know, we're at least you know the route that we're going to be going into, especially for season three. So we're about to get into it. So, in today's events <laughs> that's been going on, Donald Trump Jr. has his own email scandal, apparently. That is a part of the investigation with Russia, and it's becoming very questionable. So, Crooked Donald. <laughs> the apple don't fall too far from the tree, apparently. Facts. <laughs> Damn shame. Um, so just give you a little timeline in terms of what, take, has, what has led up to this point. So on June 2nd, the day before, the music publicist, Rob Goldstone, represented a Russian pop star named Emin Aglarov with ties with Trump sent his initial email to Trump Jr. During that time, Trump was celebrating the endorsement he received from House Speaker Paul Ryan. Additionally, the Trump University case was underway. That's when he made outrageous comments about the judge because he was of Mexican heritage. And also in San Jose, California, he had a rally and mentioned how Hillary Clinton is guilty as hell, which is really ironic in relation to what's going on now. Part of what he said during the speech was Hillary Clinton has to go to jail. All right, I said it. She has to go to jail. The fact that they even allow her to participate in this race is a disgrace to the United States of United States of America. Is a disgrace to our nation. But look where we at, though. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Trump email gate part one. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna see how long this is gonna go for. Yeah. Um. So during the initial email exchange that took place between Goldstein. And Trump Jr. on June 3rd, Goldstone wrote, The Russian pop star Father Aris called and asked me to contact you with something interesting. The Crown Prosecutor of Russia met with his father, Aris, this morning, and in their meeting offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father, Goldstone wrote. This is obviously high-level and sensitive information, but it's part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. Helped along by Aris and Emin, he continued, what do you think is the best way to handle this information, and would you be able to speak to Emin about it directly? I can also send this info to your father via Rona, who's Trump's assistant, but it's ultra-sensitive, so wanted to send it to you first. So, yeah, there, there was a lot there. In the email exchange and as to what old Goldstone was stating. And it makes one believe or conclude that the strong statements that was made by Trump about the wall was a distraction. And in regards to that period, do you believe it was a distraction or was it like a coincidence all of a sudden? Um, to be honest, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was he was trying to 
to have a distraction. I feel like he knew what his base was. He knew for the people he were going, he was trying to get behind him to build his support. So building the wall, that rhetoric, anti-immigrants, like that, that's just been part of like their whole game plan from the beginning. So I don't know. I don't know if I really can imagine it being a distraction. I think it was part of the plan throughout the whole process. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. It's like a lot is coming together and a lot is happening. And in regards to how the meeting went about and then the timing of his speech, mm-hmm. it's like he he was under the assumption or believed that he was going to get some incriminating information. And then it was like, okay. And then you conducted the speech and it was like, so what's going on? Yeah. So um, I do believe to some extent that it was a distraction. I don't think it was a coincidence. I think there's more to the story. And I, I just like the fact that they're conducting this investigation because I want to know what more is going to come of it. Yeah. Um, And just to kind of bring it back, on June 7th, Goldstone mentioned in the email that the younger... Adlerov wanted to schedule a meeting two days later between Trump Jr. and the Russian government attorney. Her name is Natalia Venselinskaya. Pierre's best at pronouncing her name because I'm having trouble and I'm going to keep it 100. But in any event, um, Goldstone was not going to sit in on the meeting. The meeting was um, set up between Trump Jr. and Natalia and Adlerov, which is interesting because he kind of like orchestrated this whole meeting and now he's not going to sit in on it. So I was just like, oh, wow. So in regards to that, Trump Jr. confirmed that Paul Manafort, um, then campaign chairman, and Jared Kushner, which is Trump's son-in-law, were going to join the meeting. So now he's added on additional people. And as we know, the son-in-law, if you've been watching throughout the um, Trump's campaign and even him being president, his son-in-law has taken on a lot of responsibilities as of lately. So to know that he's going to be participating in this meeting should not be of no surprise. So on Trump's victory speech that night, he wasted no time taking aim at the Clintons. The timing was perfect because the meeting was in the works. Trump's junior's intent was to set up the meeting under the premise he'd receive um, dirt about Hillary Clinton. So this was going to be the the like finale. He was going to get some <clears throat> real information about her during this meeting, and he was basically going to destroy her career. Ironically enough, Trump's speech mentioned Hillary Clinton turning the State Department into her private hedge fund. She gave money to the Russians, um, the Saudis, and the Chinese, and they received favorable treatment. Additionally, he mentions, it's a sad day in America when foreign governments with deep pockets have more influence in our own country than our great citizens. Which is really ironic, because as we <clears throat> scale back into the election, we've seen that Russia played a huge part in it, hence why we're going through this investigation. Yeah. But yet you're talking about it as if He's like he's kind of setting it up and orchestrated it in a way where it's her fault. Yeah. And she's sitting up here and giving other like foreign officials more power in this country, but that's what you're doing. So it's like he's trying to deflect the attention off of him and what he had going on behind the scenes and putting it on her. At least that's the conclusion I came to. What do you think about that? To be honest, I feel like at this point it shouldn't be any surprise. Trump can literally say one thing in one moment and in the exact next moment completely say the opposite and it somehow magically (laughs) just gets disregarded swept under the rug or it's like you know that's just donald like so to be yeah it's kind of crazy especially that they like there's been pretty much conclusive evidence saying that there was meddling in the election russia did affect it and he was just alluding to the fact that hillary was the one like giving out money to foreign foreign nationals and he and let's not forget about those precious emails god forbid <laughs> but speaking of emails
Yeah, but I'm sure. I think obviously we need to wait till the facts come out. But I don't think this is something his son was doing secretly. You mean alternative facts? Because I mean, <laughs> I feel like enough facts have already came out. I don't know what much we waiting on, but if we want to play that game in our car, we can play. <laughs> you know, I like to win. Yeah. Um. So on June eighth. Trump Jr. set up the final meeting the next day and alerted Kushner and Manafort via email chain. And the title of that email chain was Russia, Clinton, Private and Confidential. So it's very creative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you gotta, like, especially with all the email drama hacking, you could at least put something, uh, something different, like Candy Crush or something. Like, <laughs> candy Crush. Like, seriously, like Candy Crush hacks or something like that. Give it something like. Anyone could see that subject line and just, I don't know, happen. But then, to me, it's like, for him to be bold enough to have that subject line, it kind of insinuates that he wasn't really trying to hide anything. Uh. So it's in some aspects, if they play his cards right, that works well in his defense, if that's the approach they're trying to make. Because, like, if I'm really hiding, why would I even make the type? Why would I make the subject that? Yeah. To be honest, I feel like I've seen this on an episode of Scandal already, like, this whole scenario. It's all played out. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. But um, on June 9th, the day of the meeting, which was a 30-minute meeting, the Russian attorney, Natalia, was providing damage, was to provide damaging information, but did not. The same day, Trump tweeted about Clinton deleting her account, and Obama wants to endorse crooked Hillary. <laughs> so I, I, I literally just, that, I can't. <laughs> so this is, it's like, you can't read that without laughing. <laughs> it's funny, I love He's it. so disrespectful. Crooked Hillary. Um, so, do you believe the meeting was a cover-up, Kiana, because they ended up not getting any damaging information on Hillary? And there was a whole big setup to this meeting? I think it was a cover-up. Because it's like, you went through all that trouble, had a 30-minute meeting, and the whole premise of it was that it was incriminating information. But nothing was really discussed in that context. So it makes me question, like, what happened within those 30 minutes? If you knew off the rip that she wasn't going to provide anything, the meeting should have been five minutes. Like, see, I talked about something. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it was, but y'all talked about something. So... To me, I think essentially it was a cover-up and maybe there was more going on to the meeting that they're not really talking about or disclosing. And I'm not sure if they're going to really find that out during this investigation. So, Pierre, do you think that um, they actually discussed ways to manipulate the election during that meeting? Um, I know it's a loaded question, but... It definitely is loaded. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think a 30-minute meeting would be enough time to discuss, like, actually... Damn it. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think 30, and during that meeting they would have actually been talking about ways to manipulate the election. I feel like that communication would probably be done more overtly and through, like, back channels and maybe ideally between different people. Like... I'd be shocked if they really were that bold to set a meeting on the books, put it all in the emails that can easily be accessed, and then just, yeah, we're going to do, on today's meeting agenda, election (laughs) colluding. (laughs) Let's hear some ideas. Voter disenfranchisement. (laughs) I mean... I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, Trump has done a lot of bold things throughout prior to the election. True. And now he's president. So to me, this would not be something that's like, oh, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't be a surprise to me. But then again, 
you know, it, it puts a lot of questions out there in the air, like, so what was discussed? What was happening? And then the follow-through and the consistency of the Russian government being involved in our elections, subsequent all of that. So I could kind of see where there's some issues around that. Um, so Trump conducted, on June 13, Trump conducted a speech at New Hampshire College. The speech was intended to focus on damaging information about Hillary Clinton, but there was no information provided in the meeting. So as a result, Trump didn't have anything to talk about. He kind of insinuated, oh, we have a, a lot of opportunity to discuss Hillary and her mishaps or whatever the case is down the road, because I guess he assumed or he knew that he was going to get more information if he even had, uh-huh. for that matter. And my thing is, if Trump did not receive any damaging information about Hillary during the meeting, then why create this illusion that he had incriminating information about her when, in fact, he didn't? I think... For him, it's all about the appearance. Like, everything is all about the aesthetics. Like, when it came to the inauguration, they had the biggest crowds, the biggest support. Like, it's all about what the appearance looks like. Poll numbers are always looking great. And when they're not looking good, they're fake. (laughs) So I think for Trump, it's always about just that outward appearance and how he's perceived by people. So... He wanted that perception that they had information up on her. That that's what that's how I look at it. No, I understand, and also I'm glad that you mentioned the poll numbers because I feel like subsequent the election it was like it was all the talks about the polls being inaccurate and stuff like that. But I was like, we was riding this this wave this whole time. Like how the polls was this, it was that, it was setting a record, and it was like ain't no record to be set if it ain't true. Mm-hmm. so that's something that I was like oh so now we want to re-examine the polls and now we want to question if these numbers are actually accurate I was just like so y'all waited till now to do that um, it just kind of made me question some people's integrity at least some journalists for that matter during this election because that's you, you're supposed to be research based you're supposed to know what you're doing what you're talking about and yeah. it's like essentially that wasn't the case so which kind of led to him winning off of um, misinformation in any event we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about women paying um, spousal support. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where they do that at? Anyway, <laughs> so in um news lately, you've been hearing that um apparently I feel like the title gold digger does not only apply to women but men too. For example, relax, P. I know you, you want your chance to talk. Mel B from Spice Girls will be paying her estranged husband emergency spousal support of forty thousand dollars per month. Whew. She'll be paying a one-time um, $140,000 attorney's fees. Damn. Um, the backstory is, just briefly, she filed for divorce on March 20th after nearly 10 years of marriage and requested joint custody of their five-year-old. She accused him of abusing her, blackmailing her, um, and getting the nanny pregnant, yet she has, has to pay spousal support. So in her defense, it's like, all of these things <clears throat> happened throughout our marriage, hence why we're getting a divorce, but I have to pay for not only you your monthly fees, but also um, your attorney fees as well. And I find it to be quite interesting because it's very similar to Mary J. Bly's divorce. Yeah, so Mary J. Bly filed for divorce last July. Her and her ex-husband were married for 13 years and had no children. And in in the divorce document, he demanded she support his kids from his previous relationship. The nerve. Yeah. The nerve. Son, you don't know that situation. I don't care. That would have been a situation. <laughs> like, what? He originally requested $129,319 per month because he was no longer working as a manager, and therefore he didn't have a job. And she currently is expected to pay her ex-husband 
30000 per month in a temporary spousal support. And lastly, she has to pay retroactive payments going back in September and for his attorney fees, totaling $235,000. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's crazy. Um, that's marriage. It depends on what marriage that is. So, yeah. Mary J is definitely paying out the wazoo right now. But at what point, kind of go back to her having to support his previous children, like at what point do you draw, draw the line? Like why should your former spouse be responsible for your kids from a previous marriage? Like to me, that's just like a petty move. It's like, all right, now I'm going to be extra. What's the purpose of even doing that? Um, What's the purpose of alimony? Really? Yeah. you it, People pay alimony because of a quote-unquote lifestyle they were living while but they were married. So if, if you were living with your kids and she was helping take care of the children and paying the, like, taking care of that, like, he's been adapted to that lifestyle. So I feel like it goes right along the lines of alimony. You can sip your tea, but... So. I mean, I have to sip my tea because this is about to get crazy because I understand that in the context of we're married, we're together, and mm-hmm. at the time we'll be together helping out but if we're no longer together and i understand he's accustomed to a certain lifestyle it is not my place to pay for your children and continue so at what point do i stop when they reach 18 they go to college when they get married when you move on to another shorty like at what point does that even stop now those were their kids and they had kids together now that's a different conversation but the fact that those are not even her children she did her due diligence while they were together while they were married for all those years the fact that she has to continue to do that subsequent them being married like that makes absolutely no sense like that to me just mad petty it's like all right now you want to be extra listen at the end of the day i'm not saying it it makes sense i'm just saying it's the law like with the alimony oh, thing you want to pull that it's yeah the law now. it's the law like with the alimony thing at the end of the day go back to the lifestyle that that person is accustomed to living and you pay alimony based on that if she got married to him. He had children. She was helping finance and take care of those children. They're divorced now. Those kids didn't disappear. It's part of his they lifestyle. They didn't disappear. And their mother didn't disappear either. So that's uh, their mother's responsibility to take care of them. Like, I get your, your, your standpoint on it. But at the same time, it's like there has to be a line drawn someplace. Like, yeah, she can't you, support his entire family because he was accustomed to a lifestyle when he entered her life. You draw the and line he was a part the, of her life. You draw the line on, on the prenup. With the dotted line at the bottom where you sign <laughs> she it. She had a prenup. Oh. But they didn't consider it valid in court. Wow. So that becomes problematic. Is that a thing? How I mean, can it, it can not, happen. How can it not be valid? It I'm, could happen, I just got, like, I got really nervous just now. Well, it also depends on part as to where you were married. That makes a difference. And also, essentially, they were saying that it's, it was not valid in court. And also, in regards to the fact that she made a substantial amount of money, and he clearly doesn't because he's no longer her manager. But that's not her fault. Like, he could manage many other artists and at least strive to get another job and look into that. Sure. Not, it shouldn't be her place to actually having to do that. Listen, shout out to Kevin. They ain't gotten into the specifications as to why it wasn't valid, but it was stated that it was not valid and upholding in court, which was really problematic. So, basically, all I'm hearing is make sure your prenup is ironclad in court because you want to make sure it holds up. I'm, well, in context of these two scenarios, Mel B and Mary J. Bly, um, it seems like the roles... The reason why we're talking about this topic more so is that it seems like the roles have switched. 
in a sense that in previous years, women were suing men for spousal support and alimony. And I think now men are trying to get fancy in a sense as... Double standard. <laughs> you know, we as women, we preach about equality on many different levels, which I think is valid. But now it seems like men are actually taking us up on our word. And I think in turn, they try to use this in a sense to kind of get back like, oh, you want to preach equality? Now we equal. Now you make substantially more money than I do. And as a result, you're going to have to pay for the lifestyle that I want to continue to live. And I think it's bullshit because you can't compare it to... In previous years, when women normally will sue men for alimony or child support, the conversation was about were they allowed to work. Oftentimes in these cases, they were either at home taking care of the home, upkeeping the house or the mansion. <laughs> you know, it's the house, it's the mansion. They upholding it, like taking care of the household. They're there for the kids to nurture them every step of the way because depending on what kind of father they have, whether they're an artist, an entertainer, or an athlete, they're not home all the time. Now, in that context, it makes sense that you would sue for alimony and child support because you were not allowed to work. But the fact that these two grown men, Mel B and Mary J. Blah, husband, who's a manager, you guys can work. It's not like you. It's not like they were in a position where they had to stay at home and raise and take care of the kids. Like, they could not work. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you have the ability and you can work, and it's now it's like, oh, the tables are turned. I'd rather just sue you and get my money and get to uphold the lifestyle that I want to continue to live subsequent us being together. So it's either you pay for my lifestyle while we together and I mistreat you as these women have stated in their court documents or you divorce me and you got to end up paying for my lifestyle. They don't really have an option here. So as you were saying, I'm going to go back to sipping my tea. Seems like you got a lot to say over there. <laughs> Listen, this is why I'm big on... Well, now you big on something. I'm big on marriage is just a legal contract. It's just a societal norm that we've been thrown inside of. And at the end of the day, if you're really going to go into that, you need to know what you're going into. And that's why I don't, I'm not, it's like not a joke. I'm a very big proponent of a prenup because you never know what's going to happen. I'm all about planning for the best. No, sorry. Expecting the worst, planning for the best. No, saying that wrong. I'm all you about. Don't believe it. That's why you lying. You can't say it right. That could be the problem. Continue. Go ahead, Donald. Hoping for the best. <laughs> Alternative facts. Hoping for the best. <laughs> planning for the worst. And worst case scenarios, you get a divorce, and so you don't have to deal with this stuff. You got to take care of it on the front end. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think it's just a double standard because. Now they're getting guys are getting fancy because they happen to be in a situation where they weren't the breadwinner in that, and now they're being looked down upon because they're getting that financial support. But no, it's not necessarily that. Look at the circumstances around <clears throat> the facts surrounding these two incidents. Mel B was saying that he was abusive to her and he wasn't faithful. You trying to get the nanny pregnant? That's obviously you're cheating someplace. Like Fact. who does that? Mary J. Blige is kind of saying the same aspects of her husband not being faithful. So in some context, there's a reason behind the divorce right. on their behalf as a solid defense. Now, it's one thing if it's like, I want to divorce you because I just I don't want to be bothered with you. And it's like, oh, I wasn't even aware of that. We don't have any real issues, but you want to divorce me. And in turn, you might want to sue for X, Y, Z. That maybe I can understand. But when you look at the facts of both of these cases, these women have strong points to make. As I was mistreated. You either were abusive to me or you, in the context of Mel B., or like in Mary J. Blige, like you weren't felt, you weren't faithful, and he, she said he was disrespectful and verbally abusive. So it's like, what are your options? Stay in a relationship, in a marriage, right? 
And they're both beautiful black women that other women look up to. So they're supposed to stay in a relationship where they're being mistreated for the sake of what, taking care of your lifestyle or get divorced and having to pay for your lifestyle when you messed up? <clears throat> like, that's what the conversation needs to be had. Some In the past, when there's been previous encounters as to if there was spousal support or alimony pertaining to men, entertainers or athletes, it was one of the great defense was he cheated. He wasn't faithful. And as in turn, a woman was, she was in the right to get that money. Now, if you cheated on me and I'm supposed to pay for your lifestyle, Nah, like, let me tell you something. It would have been a situation. No. Like, I guarantee you, it would have been some way to excel <laughs> when Angela Bassett burned down a car with the cigarette scene. All my ladies know what I'm talking about. It would have been <laughs> turning up season. Like, are you serious? You cheating on me? You mistreated me? I want a divorce and I got to pay for your lifestyle and your attorney fees? That's a slap in the face. Damn. But you ain't think about it like that, now, did you? Was you were just focused on the fancy word. That's what she was focusing on. I get it. You, you're making great, valid points, and definitely the fact that they were being abusive, verbally, cheating, all of that's terrible, but at the end of the day... Oh, now it's at the end of the day. It's just, this is, this is the system that we live in. Like, now if you, if, if someone had said prior to them getting married, right, like, yeah, I don't think we should get married, we should just do like an Oprah and Stedman situation, then it'll be a problem, oh, you don't want to get married... We just living in roommates, like I don't know. I just think you have to be. Yeah, when it comes to life, you need to know what the rules of the game are, and if you don't know the rules of the game, you can't play it to win. And when it comes to marriage, shit like this happens all the time, whether it's to the men or now. Apparently, it's happening to women too, which sucks. So you really need to know who you're getting married to. Realize is this the person I'm really want to spend the rest of my life with, and is this person going to be a credible husband, wife with integrity that I can see going forward and actually lasting? Because a lot of these celebrities go into relationships, get married, and they're breaking up every year. They're onto their third husband. They're, they're like whatever I don't know fifth wife come on don't forget about your species now yeah mm-hmm. so at the end of the day if you're gonna get married you gotta really think about it but Which, I mean you could be with someone and you may think you know them I mean these marriages were 10 to 13 years like that's a long time how you know that somebody gonna switch up and do some funny stuff so would you would you take the alimony if you were getting a divorce and you were with someone who was rich and you got used to a certain lifestyle? Or would you say, well, you know what? I don't need him anymore. I'm not married to him. It depends on the circumstances. If I was in a relationship and married to a man and he made more than me and mm-hmm. he was unfaithful and disrespectful and he mistreated me and we got a divorce, you damn skippy, I want my money. Because what? you mistreated me. But if we were married and we both like agreed that, listen, this is not working, we both moving on. It was mutual. I'm not going to run you down for your money that I'm not deserving of. If Unless you put me in a predicament that you tell me I can't work to stay at home, which no man will ever do because I don't deal well with demands. You're not going to tell me to stay at home and take care of some kids <coughs> while you out working and you being a breadwinner and I have to rely on you fully. That's problematic to me because if something happens and you lose your job or your career goes south, we all suffer. It's not just me. That's just my political views on that. I'd rather be in a relationship or married to someone where we're equally bringing in the same amount of income. I don't mind if I'm bringing in more, if he's bringing in more, but I want to see that we're both contributing to the household. So that's why I made that point. But if I'm married to someone and it's a mutual thing and we get a divorce, I don't want your money. I really don't. If kids are involved and I feel like you've been a great father and you, and I know that you're going to be very 
you're going to be financially stable when it comes to the kids and they can rely on you. I'm not even going to come at you for child support because I don't feel the need to do that. But if I got it, like, prior to all of this happening and I realized that you weren't playing your part as a father and you was not contributing to me financially, that's going to be a different conversation to be had. But I'm not going to be on something like, I want your money. No, if we end things well, it is what it is. I think you're you're a better woman than most because I don't think a lot of people would, would go along with that. That's fine, they not me. Yeah. If it was me, <laughs> I would. I'm not opposed to being a stay-at-home dad, raising the kids. But you wouldn't do it, though. What? If I had a Mary J. Blige, a Mel B., a Oprah. So you'd be running a daddy daycare. Yeah, I'd, be, okay. I'd have like an online business at home. You're right. I'd be working mm-hmm. with the kids, teaching them a couple of languages. You know, kids can really take in languages and just learn a lot of stuff, especially when they're young. Okay. I would be crushing it. That's the most important job. You're developing someone's mind. Their future. You can't. Under- I don't know if you, you saying can- that because we on air and you want to sound sexy and cute to the female audience, or you saying it to be real? Because I can't see you telling your boys, "Yo, I'm at home taking care of the kids." Like I'm every a, day, all day. I'm a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent. Yeah. Listen. At the end of the day, I think more than likely, if I do get married, I'm probably gonna be making more than my spouse. Okay. Because I a big assumption to make. I know myself. I'm an overachiever, and I'm constantly trying to do better and do more. So I think there's a good chance I'll be making more than my spouse. But in the what situation, if your spouse makes more than you significantly. Would, if my spouse is making significantly more than me, I'm fine with that. Okay. Because I I know I'm not a slouch, and I'm just out here just being a bum, and they just happen to be taking care of me. But if they're making significantly more than me, like on some Oprah Stedman status. I have no problem raising the kids. So you alone. raise the kids from birth all the way to the eighteen and stay at home that whole time. Listen, we'll make it work. Me and the kids will have fun. I want to put that to the test. I mean, I'll be a soccer dad. We'll be in the park. Oh, yeah? I, I can do my workouts with them. Just have get start off with that big stroller with the big wheel in the yeah. front. I could be running along the track. Oh, you're serious? Yeah, serious. Well, Picnics. I mean, it's unlike some men out there would do. So, I mean, if that's in fact true. Mm-hmm. Strong emphasis on true uh-huh. with you. Um, I commend you on that because some dudes wouldn't do that. Now, some dudes wouldn't even be okay with a woman making way more than them. And then on top of that, you want to stay at home and raise the kids every step of the way um, when it's expected for mommy to be home, but daddy's going to be home instead. So that's the big thing. And I and if that's true, strong emphasis on true, I commend you. Only thing I got to add. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I, pro- about five seconds. I probably would... Have some sort of business, something that I could do at home. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So just like an online business, maybe a hobby, maybe just doing some community work. Like obviously, you need some. Sometimes you need little extra things to add to your life to give you that fulfillment. But okay, I would definitely be down to support and raise kids and mm-hmm. just be a stay-at-home dad. Learn okay. to cook up, chef it up in the kitchen. My lady, come home, give her a nice foot massage. How's your day, baby? The kids are sleeping. No, you're serious. Yeah, seriously. I respect that. You find me a rich woman to take care of me, we'll make this work. Well, that's the approach in life now, isn't it? Listen, I'm just I'm just planning out for every possibility. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> right now we're going to switch gears and talk about revenge porn and basically what it means and pertains to different states. A prime example of that is Rob Kardashian and Black China. We are not going to get into the intricacies of their relationship because um, every media outlet is clearly doing a good job on that. But what we will address is men feeling the need to police women's bodies in California revenge porn law. 
Now, as you may know, Robert posted three nude photos of China on IG and Twitter, and they practically went viral. Now, in regards to revenge porn law being put in place, there are approximately 38 states that has revenge porn laws in place. California, Delaware, Alaska, Florida, and Illinois are just a few of them. And there are several states that has bills pending in legislation. Um, New York, Massachusetts, and um, Kentucky, just to name a few. So this is actually a thing. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be quite honest. I really did not know the severity of revenge porn and the fact that it's actually laws put in place in each state. Some of them could be considered a misdemeanor or a felony. It kind of ranges. As I was like looking more into it, I was like, I did not know that this was actually a thing and that there are other states where um, the bill is being put into legislation and this is actually happening. In 2013... California Governor Jerry Brown signed State Senate Bill 255, the state's revenge porn law, which defines revenge porn as photographs or records by any means the image of the intimate body part or parts of another identifiable person under circumstances where the parties agreed or understand that the image shall remain private and the subsequent distribution of the image is taken with the intent to cause serious emotional distress and the depicted person suffers serious emotional distress. Paul Whalen, who is a prominent California attorney who handled 50 revenge porn cases, conducted an interview with The Root pertaining to this matter. And he personally doesn't necessarily think this situation revolving Rob and Black China is revenge porn. And the reason for that is the DA has to prove China actually suffered emotional distress. And this is actually hard to prove because emotional distress can be so subjective. If China commit, uh, sorry, Black China attempted to commit suicide subsequent to the incident, then that probably could work in their defense. However, she liked the nude pictures he posted. So yeah, that kind of goes against the emotional distress, even though I think, any any person could just see she was just liking it more than likely to just show like it's not affecting me but when it goes back to that law and legality you got to really watch your step because the law does not play no and it's very true like emotional distress is very hard to prove because you know pierre can be perceived as pierre may be depressed and I'm like okay he smiled today he didn't seem depressed to me but he really is you know but to me the way I perceive it as him smiling at me I don't think that he's depressed because our perception of people who may be depressed maybe at home about to commit suicide they about to do some extreme off the wall stuff and it's just like okay you could clearly see there's something going on here her actions subsequent what happened did not necessarily lead they the DA will have to work on ways of proving that there was emotional distress and you know in terms of them even winning that and also the fact that she ended up liking the nudes, that doesn't really help her case. It doesn't it doesn't help her at all. And that's why with Wallen, he's just like, I don't necessarily think it applies when it comes to this case, but it may, you know, and as of yet she hasn't fully pressed any charges against him pertaining to that. So that's another thing that's up in the air. Um, and if she end up doing it, she's going to follow through on it and be consistent with her actions and her words. And, you know, emotional distress is really difficult in terms of proving. And if anyone that really have any legal background know that it's a part of tort law and it's it's one of the most difficult elements to actually prove because 
once again, as I stated before, it's very subjective. And it's it's really in the DA's hand to kind of take it up a notch and to ensure that, in fact, she was emotionally distressed. She did conduct an, um, an interview on TV speaking about the matter and how it has affected her and how she was hurt by it. So that's something that, you know, they're going to have to work out when it comes down into court and if they could actually prove it and do a really good job at it so that he could be charged fully and treated as such and the right punishment fit the crime. I, I love when you talk legality talk. I want you to write my prenup for me if I ever get married. <laughs> Matter of fact, I take that back. You yeah, because you already you, know. You probably put some loopholes in there and screw me in like 10 years. I take that back. <laughs> Um, in any event. I need Johnny Cochran back. Yeah, this is true. Though. We do need him back because he was good, though. Um, so some people may think that it is not a big deal that he intentionally leaked her nude photos because she was a former stripper and she has posted nudes online prior to. However, this is where the um, that notion is false. Even though Black China posted nudes of herself, that does not give anyone the right to post her nudes without her permission. And this applies to any woman um, out there, not just Black China, and I think this is where it becomes very tricky because you know this whole sexting thing is like a thing now. Like people sending new pics or whatever. I don't participate in those activities. If a dude asks me for a picture, the most I send is a headshot, like straight up. And if it's like that's not good enough, I'm sorry, you ain't getting no picture from me because reality is it leads to stuff like this. And even if you're with someone for years and you trust them and you think it's they're a wonderful, if y'all break up and things go left. They're going to try to find a way to retaliate. And in regards to police and women bodies, I think some men, like Rob is a prime <clears throat> example. You get your feelings hurt or what have you, and then you get caught up into that and you retaliate in a sense by you posting those. And you know that's very demeaning for a woman. And you do it in a sense of having control and enforcing your masculinity. And that's my problem with it. It's like, and that's why as women who are listening to this podcast, be careful with who you send your pics to. I would advise not sending it to anybody, but if you want to get cute, go ahead. But be very careful because there are some men who, you know what I'm saying, they express their ways and their anger in different ways. And, you know, and for to have someone actually, like, submit new photos that you sent exclusively to them because things did not work out between you and that person. They just can't be mature and walk away from the situation. And even if their heart was broken, pick up yourself by your bootstraps and keep it pushing. Listen to some boys to men, get some popcorn, some ice cream, and keep it pushing. But for you to post nudes... That takes us to another level. And I feel like in the context of what Rob did, it was a form of control. Do you think so? Um, as a man? Well, I just want to say, as a man, men, if you're going to be sending out nudes, also be very conscious of that because you don't want any spiteful girls sending your nudes out. And just to be clear, revenge porn can go both ways, Key. Just, no, it can. Okay, just, just, I, no, just, it can. just making sure we put that out there, too. It can. It's not as prevalent, but it can. Continue. You love that word, prevalent. I do. Okay. okay. But yes, yeah, so be careful about your nudes. I suggest sending on Snapchat. Unless they take a screenshot, then you're screwed. Anyways, um, I don't know if he's trying to control her more so, if rather than he's trying to embarrass her and demean her and bring her down. I don't know if he's... Like, I don't see where the control is in regards to posting those nudes well to me it's like okay you don't want to be with me we're not together great i'm gonna submit these out here yes i'm gonna i'm going to you know embarrass you yeah and humiliate you of course but also in a sense i have that control where i can enforce that where it's like you feel uh, embarrassed you feel 
demean or whatever the case may be because I did that to you. Yeah. So I think in a sense it's a form of control in a sense that I'm going to do all of this to you as in terms of retaliation. Right. And that's why I think control comes into play. And I, I don't think, I see what you're saying in the context of control because I think, you know, normally you feel like you have a hold over someone and it's like, Right. He doesn't really have a hold over her because they're not together. She allegedly she has no intentions of going back to him, but it's and she the, got the baby. The fact that you submitted those pictures and you were bold enough to execute in those actions to me it is a form of control. I just think it's another layer of control. It's not the control that we we perceive it to be like a dude hitting you and you're staying in a relationship or whatever, or you keep coming back. I just think it's a sense that he or vice versa. Yeah, he exercises masculinity, and it was in a sense to like to show her who's who's running the show. Yeah. And that could be a form of control. And I guess I could see it in a way of controlling her emotions. Oh, you want to be happy with somebody else? Well, hold that. And that. And that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Do you think his retaliation was appropriate? Like, what he did? Um, no. Not at all. I think that's corny. The fact that you're posting nudes, I just think it shows that he's salty and petty and he's upset and just makes him look bad. She probably got more followers. I mean, I think I think it's a, a retaliation, of course, definitely was not appropriate. And I do, it's interesting to me to see how men react to it. Like, this is petty, this is that, men coming out the woodwork saying stuff. But I, I believe on the flip side, there are men out there that condone what he did and probably would have did it or they have done it. Hence why they have these laws in 38 states. Like, they're not yes. just having it for shits and giggles. So, yeah. to me, I do see the percentage of men who are coming out saying that this is corny, this is X, Y, Z. But then it's that other demographic of men who would do it. And yeah. some of y'all hang out with men like that. Some of your friends probably would have did some shit. And you probably wouldn't even have known until something happened. You're like, yo, bro, you serious? So to me, it's like, I get you won't do it. Allegedly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Take that allegedly back. I will definitely not. I will definitely not be sending out any nudes. That's inappropriate. I'm classy. You got nudes? That's not the topic of okay. discussion. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm classy, okay? Has That's great that you're classy, but essentially there are other men out there that lack that, and there may be men that you may hang out with that do. And, and that's what I'm talking about, that demographic that are doing it, and it's happening. This ain't going to be the last time this happened. I highly doubt it. Of course not. Um, I feel like it's probably going to continue. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be with a celebrity. It could be with someone else, of course. But it's just like... At what point is the conversation being had with those men out there that actually execute their masculinity in that right? Where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, I get y'all coming out speaking on, great, bravo, round of applause. But what about the conversation being had with those dudes who are still going to do stuff like that? And I, the thing I, is, the, the problem, wait, I'm not done. The thing is, I just feel like some men just cannot deal with heartbreak or losing someone. Like, women were expected to bounce back. Pick up ourselves by bootstraps and, you know, he, he broke your heart. Keep it pushing. And don't assume every other guy is going to be like the previous guy and be positive and kumbaya and pray and all of that. But, man, it's like I personally feel like some men just cannot handle heartbreak, i.e. Robert. And they end up doing certain things. It was like, really? Like, I think everyone has a hard time dealing with heartbreak. And they just handle it in different ways. I feel like I got to be the champion for the men on the show, for the male listeners, because you just be swinging for the fences at us. Not even. I just be speaking facts, keeping it on it. No shit. Speaking shame. opinions. Let's just... Let's... I'm just saying because, like, it, it clearly is happening because as we realize that 
doing this segment and how other states have these laws put in place. It's not something that I, I think it's not discussed as much. And that's my, I'm not trying to badmouth men out there. I know there are some great men out there and I commend you guys, but the conversation needs to be with men who are partaking in those activities. That's where the conversation needs to be. And what I don't like pertaining to what Robert did is that he was classified, oh, he did a bitch move, which is also known as he did a woman move, essentially, because that's how y'all classify women as bitches. So what are you saying? Only women are out here portraying men through naked pics like that? Like, so he pulled a bitch move, but what does that say? That like, you sound saying like y'all use these terminologies in a sense to try to bring down another man and saying that, oh, he did a bitch move. No, he did a man move. <laughs> that, that ain't no bitch. He did a man move. Like, on some real. Oh, my so God. So, we're not going to sit up here and pretend like, oh, he just want to act like a female because that's what some of the conversations being had. Oh, he just, he just acting like female. He can't move on. But it's like, what does that say about men in general? Like, you're supposed to be tough, strong, and bold when a woman break up with you and keep her pushing and women are expected to be soft, weak, and cry and do petty shit and vindictive shit? That's my problem around the conversation of what he did. What he did was a man move. Ain't got nothing woman to do with it. It was a man move, and we need to have these conversations so that not only are these laws that are being put in place in certain states, but we need to have the conversation as to why this is happening. My my conclusion to it is women do not send any new pics. Because if you don't send it, they can't bring anything out there. But what about those women who want to send it, who are in intimate relationships, and they're with somebody, and they want to get fancy and romantic, and they want to switch it up? They can't because dudes can't act right. It's a risk. Y'all got to act out of pocket. It's a risk you run. So like you said, you got to take responsibility for your life. You want to send nudes, just know that there's a chance that those may get out. Or you want to talk crazy on the internet, there's a chance that those tweets may be brought up again, a la the Donald. So just, you got to, I think at... What it comes down to is taking responsibility. But you can't compare tweets that you put out in public on your own to pictures that you submit to somebody exclusively being public. You can send private emails and your private emails get hacked and come out. So, But that's different from a tweet listen, Donald. Listen, all I'm just saying is you got to be responsible about how you go about anything you do. Whether it's, like we were talking about earlier, getting married. Whether it's sending somebody a nude, sending personal information on your emails like especially in our society things come out and you just have to be worried about that and that's just it is what it is and i think the point is people get hurt people are emotional and people act emotional you can say the guys are sending out nudes but if they never got a nude from that girl they'll find another way to be vindictive and women will do the same thing they'll be vindictive in their own ways so People are just can be vindictive when they're emotionally hurt. I don't think it's a guy versus girl thing. That's just me. And that will be that will continue to be you. But I think that also to end on this note is that, as I have mentioned, I think the conclusion is women should not submit send, submit their nudes to who they're with. I just want to correct that because I feel like it falls in line with when women get raped, it's like, or sexually assaulted, it's like, well, you shouldn't have worn that outfit. And it's like, we don't hold the perpetrators accountable, it's always the victim. So I want to go back on that statement and say, if you want to send your news to someone, that's all on you. Um, I think the concern and the conversations we need to have is around perpetrators like Robert who are submitting those things out to the public. And yes, these laws are being put in place, which is great, but at the same time, I think there needs to be more done to hold them fully accountable. 
I don't think the conversation needs to be solely about not submitting your news. If that's what you want to do, you do it. I don't feel comfortable doing it. I never felt comfortable doing it. I think sexting has been a trend for several years now. And from start to now, I have never been in, into it. Because I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like Into what? Into sending um, new photos. Oh. Or anything like along those lines. I just don't feel the need to do that. I'd rather yeah. we are in person or whatever. But I don't feel the need to submit. But that's just me. And also... You know, all of these issues surrounding it. This is not the first time you've heard a guy has, like, put out a female's nude. So, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. But that's on me. But I'm not... It is not my place to tell another woman, don't send out news because he may send it out. The conversation shouldn't be about her not sending it out. It should be about perpetrators being held accountable. Has any one of your female friends ever showed you a guy's nudes? So, we're going to end on that wow. note. Because, uh, we wrapping it up? <laughs> Actually, they did. <laughs> And was it was it in a flattering way or were they trying to clown the dude? I mean, damn. All right, I'm, just, I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Damn. Cause that's how I operate. It one, it was one time it was clowning the dude, but he thought he was just confident, and it just wasn't much to be confident about in that photo. Damn. It be like that sometimes. It does. So you should be sending out stuff and you ain't got nothing to back it up with, bruh. <laughs> I'm being honest. So, ending note. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. That's our, that's our time, y'all. How did you get back to me now? That's our time, y'all. <laughs> um, so, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate the support, and this is the final episode of season two. We'd love to have Woo! you guys on this journey. Turn up. Yes, sir. So, definitely follow us on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different you can reach us at twitter at unapologetic two underscores d and you can find us on itunes by searching unapologetically different definitely leave uh leave a rating subscribe share leave a comment and send us an email at unapologetically different at gmail.com stay tuned for next season we're going to come back and we're going to be bringing you some new amazing content and we're going to just step our game up and can't wait to keep just bringing you guys great stuff stay tuned and once again thank you so much for the support we really really do appreciate it it means a great deal to us we've been working really hard and we want to continue to bring you good work and material and we want our podcast to become bigger and better for next season and future seasons moving forward bye